Welcome, members, to the NICRA podcast, the official podcast of the National Ice Cream Retailers Association, where we are all about ice cream people helping ice cream people. We are very excited this episode. Everyone's gearing up for our annual convention and trade show held in Charleston, South Carolina this year, 5th to the 7th of November. Um, we've, uh, I guess we've labelled it ConeCon 19, and today we are talking to Wesley Oliver from Explore Charleston, who is going to tell us a little bit more about the wonders of Charleston. How are you, mate? I'm doing fine, Steve. How are you today? Mate, I'm wonderfully well. Love that southern accent. Um <laughs> Now, I, I, we did uh, kind of chit-chat before we, we hit record here, but you are a uh, lifelong resident of Charleston, um, and uh, what qualifies you to be the best person to speak to so far as uh, our Charleston experience is concerned? Well, it is literally my job. I work for Explore Charleston, which is the destination management organization here in the area. And our whole business is about promoting Charleston as a destination for visitors. You know, try to but put you, it you also told possible. me you're a licensed. I am. I, I am a licensed tour guide. Well, these days they call it a certified tour guide because oh. the court just overturned the licensing process. But now oh, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Now the licensing is voluntary rather than mandatory. And it was put in place by the city to ensure that tours were you know, giving uh, that, that qualified tour guides were right. giving information so that you don't want any Tom Dick and Harry sitting at the front of the stuff. bus saying things, do you? Right. 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 That's good. I, I, I kind of feel, I thought licensed gave you a lot uh, more credibility. I mean, I'm not saying that you're not a credible, <laughs> I, but I mean, taking the, the license, license off you. And it's, uh, it's still valid. Uh, I still have it. It's just that uh, it's not compulsory anymore. So oh, okay. Now, now the licensed tour guides, they've formed a guild, uh, and that's just a way to promote the sharing of knowledge that right. from, from competent and qualified guides. Well, that's good. Well, look, no one's doubting your competency or your <laughs> qualifications, so uh, it's nice to talk to you. Mate, um, one of the locations that uh, that we picked, and, and as an organization, we bounce our annual convention around the country. We like to kind of go west-ish and then east-ish and then kind of roll Florida somewhere in the three- or four-year plan. But we were very excited to come out um, and visit the facility, have a, have a look around Charleston, and I'll put the link to the video that we filmed while we are out there in the show notes for everyone. But... Um, there's when we announced last year that uh, our convention this year was going to be in Charleston, everyone at the convention, which was in Colorado Springs, basically launched into a round of applause. So everyone is very excited about coming to Charleston. Um, do you want to give us a little bit of uh, history as to you know um, how Charleston came about, and because this very historic town, is it? Oh not? yeah, yeah. Uh, we we are coming up next year on our 350th anniversary as a town. Gee. So Charleston was founded in the year 1670. It was a British colony. Uh, in fact, it wasn't administered directly by the the crown at first. It was run by a group of uh, private individuals. So there's a, a whole a whole drama in England going on where Charles the first was king, then he's not king. Oliver Cromwell and the Puritans take over. And when Cromwell dies, the, the nation kind of decided to bring the king back. So they brought Charles II, his son, 
uh, the first one had met a, an unfortunate end. Uh, so mm-hmm. Charles II comes back as king of England, but he didn't get there on his own. He had some men help him, uh, eight, eight uh, influential noblemen in England. And so in, in exchange for them making him king, he gave them a huge land grant in in what what was called Carolinas, and at that time it was North of Carolina, South Carolina, and everything west, all the way to the Pacific. That was the original colony of Carolina that was given to them. Gee. And uh, so for uh, until about 1720, so about 50 years, it was a privately organized colony. Uh, so. The, the, the men who owned it, they were known as the Lord Proprietors, Lord's Proprietor. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, they just tried to use it to gain as much financial uh, benefit as they could. That's a pretty amazing history. Mm-hmm. Um, how did Charles I come to an end? Now you've got me fascinated. Uh, if I remember correctly, he was beheaded uh, oh. during the, the, the Civil War. And did not Charles II have a little bit of trepidation when he was taking over the, uh, the reins? <laughs> you would think so, but my, my understanding is that uh, the English, were, they were kind of fed up with the Puritan administration. Oliver Cromwell held it together through force of will, right. and after he died, his son took over for a little while, but you know, he wasn't half the man the father was, and so things right, kind of right. fell apart. Mate, um, so, and so, I mean, that's just a part of or a start of the incredible history mm-hmm. in Charleston. Oh, yeah. When yeah, we were there, right, we were, we, it's a real significant place when it comes to Civil War buffs, is it not? It is. Uh, this Charleston is where the Civil War began. Uh, the the uh, South Carolina militia forces that would later become you know, part of the Confederate Army that were that gathered in the area. They fired upon Fort Sumter, and that was where federal troops were stationed, and that was the act that officially ignited the Civil War. Gee. So the, the, the state of South Carolina had you know, seceded some months before, and then everybody kind of just stood around pointing guns at each other for about five or six months, and then yeah. it blew up all of a sudden. Boy, oh boy, that's some history. And so there are some really amazing sites around there, right? Can you visit Fort Sumter now? You can, yeah. It's it, it's it's a tour that's operated by the National Park Service. There's a boat ride to get to and from Fort Sumter. The boats go out several times a day, and they leave from Liberty Square, which is right next to the aquarium. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour tour. Right. And you get to walk around on the fort and see what's left of it. Gee. Uh, and I'm assuming that's all kind of a guided tour. You've got someone kind of explaining uh, everything out there, or is that option available? Uh, it, it's... It is available. It's not required. So right. when you get to the fort, there, there's a narration on the boat ride to and from the fort. And when you get there, there are park rangers stationed around the fort. And you can go up and listen to their presentations, or you can just walk around on your own. That's pretty cool. So that being said, um, you know, as an organization, we, we try and pack in our uh, our program so far as we get people generally coming in on a Tuesday and we have them pretty well engaged throughout the day and in the evenings um, until probably Thursday night. But uh, what are some of examples of things that really people need to see if you're if you're planning to come to Charleston and you've got a morning, an afternoon, or perhaps a day on the front or the back end of our convention? Uh, what are some of the good things or the plans that people should have in place for them to get the most out of their Charleston visit? I like to recommend that people start with a guided tour of some kind. And which 
what kind of guided tour, be it a bus tour, a carriage tour, a walking tour, really kind of depends on your interests. The way I generally break it down is that you can see best on a walking tour. It's the longest mm-hmm. one. It's two hours. You're on foot, so you've got an unfettered view to look around. And it'll take you right into the heart of the historic district where you know, buses and carriages can't always go. Mm-hmm. Now, a bus tour is a good way to see more. It's not quite as long. It's an hour and a half. But you're on a bus, so they'll cover a lot more ground. So you get a broader view of the city that way. And then a carriage is kind of halfway in between. You'll see you'll cover more ground space-wise than you would on a walking tour, but not as much as a bus. But you can also see better than you can on the bus. Right. Uh, And then if I were going to recommend a personal favorite, uh, an activity to do after starting with a guided tour, I'm a big fan of the old exchange in Provost Dungeon, and that's a place that will cover that early history uh, of Charleston that I talked about, the colonial era specifically, and then a lot of the Revolutionary War history as well. Hmm. So what is it called? What dungeon? The old exchange in Provost Dungeon. It's a building that's it was the last building constructed by the British in Charleston before the Revolution began. And it's been a lot of things over the course of its history. It was a customs house. Uh, that's the, the exchange part of the name. It was also a dungeon where prisoners of war were held. And uh, uh, for a time, it served as city hall, as post office. And these days, it's a museum. Gee, that's pretty... I mean, even the, the 1670 year date is just fascinating mm-hmm. to me. That uh, Now, again, you know, many listeners probably have been to Europe and... The 1670s isn't a huge step back into history for some European cities, but really, I mean, that's uh, that's kind of getting pretty close to where it all started here in the U.S. That, yeah, that's just about as old as it gets on this continent. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> mate. Um, now, so you've you've obviously grown up here. Let me let me ask you a little bit about your ice cream taste. What uh, <laughs> we're all about ice cream here. So, um, what what was your first ice cream memory in Charleston? Ooh. First ice cream memory, you know, I'd have to say it's probably something like a, every kid's ice cream memory. It, my uh, my mom and dad, they, they'd always get those cheap gallon jugs of Neapolitan ice cream from the grocery <laughs> store. And I'd eat all the chocolate first because that was the best. And then I'd eat the strawberry and then I'd eat the vanilla when there was nothing left. <laughs> oh, no. You might upset some vanilla supplies <laughs> with that kind of statement. We'll have to edit that out. <laughs> you might need to. <laughs> Um, one, of, one of the the neater things uh, interactions that I've had with ice cream in Charleston though is actually uh, back in the spring of this year it, it was uh, there was a, a fundraising event through uh, Moose Tracks Ice Cream. Mm-hmm. They came, set up a truck, and uh, the idea was to just give away as as much ice cream as they could. And I they were donating uh, money for every scoop that they got to the local Salvation Army. Okay. And that was kind of neat for me because I got to help them find a venue to park the truck and you know help organize the event a little bit. Yeah, I when we were there um, in researching for the event, you've actually got some really um, interesting and diverse ice creams there. You've got gelato stores, Jenny's is there. You've got some uh, East Coast ice cream there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a great even if you just did an ice cream tour of Charleston, I oh. think you could fill up an itinerary. <laughs> you can Mate, eat yourself stupid in this city. <laughs> That's right, Mate, and, and we plan to. Don't worry, <laughs> um, mate. Uh, when we filmed the video there, we wanted to film in front of something that was really iconic, Charleston, and we were directed towards the Pineapple Fountain. 
oh, yeah. uh, down there on the waterfront. Do you want to tell us a bit about that and what that represents and perhaps a little bit of background on that? Yeah, so Waterfront Park was built. That that was an old wharf area. So once upon a time, there were lots of you know piers and jetties going out into the water. That's where the ships would dock. You know, back in mm-hmm. the 1800s, even in the early 1900s, and then for a few decades in the middle part of the ni- 1900s, it was just this dilapidated waterfront area that was kind of had an industrial feel to it. And then fast forward to 1989, Hurricane Hugo tore through the area. And in, in the aftermath of that, as Charleston was rebuilding, the mayor at the time, Joe Riley, took the opportunity to you know, really bring new life to that area. And so that, that former industrial area was all redeveloped and landscaped into what is now our, a beautiful waterfront park. And that pineapple fountain is, is there because pineapples have a long history of, of symbolism in Charleston. It's a symbol of hospitality, and it's, it's one that you can find around the world, but it's particularly mm-hmm. prominent and, and often used in Charleston. And the, the kind of the, the, the basic rundown as far as the history of why a pineapple is a symbol of hospitality, my understanding is that you know, back in the day, looking at the 1800s or so, pineapples were pretty rare and expensive because they come from tropical islands in the Pacific. So to have a pineapple in Europe or, you know, uh, European colonies on the East coast of, of, of North America, I mean, that was, that was expensive. Those were luxury items. Mm. And, and they were so rare that people didn't generally eat them when they came in. What, what wealthy people in the city would do is they would buy them and set them on the table as a centerpiece and then invite all their friends over for dinner parties night after night so that they could see the pineapple. <laughs> Is that right? Right. And so you know, if, if you had a pineapple, then that meant you were going to be hosting parties for the next few days, and you know, thus the association with hospitality. That's fascinating. Well, you have a big pineapple, meaning that you've, I'm sure, hosted, have hosted, and will be hosting some big parties. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, we, we have a steady stream of visitors these days. And, uh, you know, Charleston has you know, won, won several accolades from Condé Nast, Travel and Leisure as, you know, the friendliest city, uh, best small town, uh, uh, best top destination in the world, among others. So we, we definitely have a reputation for friendliness and hospitality down here. And that's, that's kind of what guided the choice of the pineapple for that fountain. Right. No, it's awesome. Well, listen, we very much appreciate your time, and believe me, we're very excited. Uh, we're about a month away of uh, all of our ice cream uh, business owners, those that want to get into the business, suppliers, exhibitors, are all going to be converging on Charleston. Um, and I understand we're organizing just a small kiosk there at our registration desk for people who would like some maps or perhaps some advice as to some of the things that they can do and see. That's right. Uh, we'll be offering them, and um, we might even see you around the place, Wesley. Yeah, that's uh, right. It, it should be me there giving the uh, little presentation, and then I'll be handing out guides, answering questions at that information desk. Shaking hands and kissing babies. That's right. <laughs> Mate, uh, so, so just wrapping up, um, and I know you've given us some recommendations, top three things. If I were to ask you what are the top three things that a, a visitor, member of NICRA, should be seeing or doing or eating uh, when they get to Charleston, what would, you, what would you round them out as? Well, it's a little different for everyone, you know, depending on what they like and also their level of mobility because that's an important consideration in a historic city right. um, given that we have lots of old buildings that haven't always been retrofitted with, with modern conveniences. But putting that aside, some of my personal favorites uh, – 
I mentioned the old exchange and provost dungeon earlier. A great place to complement that is the old Slave Mart Museum. And that's uh, one of the uh, old auction houses where slaves were actually sold. And mm. it's a hugely important part of Charleston's history. It's a little bit of an uncomfortable topic, but it's a great place to go and educate yourself on, on, on the history of the slave trade, working yeah. conditions, things like that. Uh, and the old slave mart and the old exchange go together really well because they're right next to each other and they have a combination ticket. Mm -hmm. And then for this group in particular, ice cream retailers, I would suggest a, a culinary tour. It's a great way to learn more about the food landscape in Charleston and, and all the amazing uh, culinary traditions that we have here, as well as the, you know, the new chefs and what they're experimenting with. Charleston is definitely a hot spot for restaurants. That's great. Mate, uh, where, if someone's looking at doing a little bit of pre-education, uh, where would they go to to find out all that Charleston can, uh, can give them? So our website, exploretcharleston.com, is a great place to start. There's informational sections. There's a calendar of events if you're looking for festivals, special activities. And then we also have a section that will give you know, suggested itineraries. Uh, hmm. and, and all those itineraries are themed according to interest and length of time. So, you know, best things to do in two days in Charleston or, you know, foodies guide to Charleston, things like that. So checking out those itineraries is a great place to get a, an idea of what might be fun for you in Charleston. Fabulous. Well, mate, we very much appreciate your time. Look forward to shaking your hand in uh, about four or so weeks. And again, uh, all the information that you'll need is at explorecharleston.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, Wesley, thanks again. We really appreciate your time. Oh, absolutely, Steve. This has been fun for me. My pleasure. No problem at all. Now, for more information on this podcast, previous episodes, and all of the NICRA information that you need, you can go to nicra.org or icecreamusa.org. And uh, look, Keep an eye out for Wesley Oliver skulking around the place there at the convention center. <laughs> he will send you in the right direction as to what you can do and eat and go to uh, get the most out of Charleston. Thanks again, Wesley. Oh, happy to, Steve. Thanks for having me.